It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we're back. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, June 25th, 2015. Thank you for joining us. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Monty's behind the controls. Monty, welcome back to the program. Jacob's good to see you again tonight. Good to see you, and uh, thank you. And, for and Monty's got to talk more tonight. Last week, he hardly said a word, and the time before that, I don't think he did say a word, so we're going to we're gonna have to put it to him tonight. Yeah, he has a deficit to overcome here, and he will tonight on an interesting topic uh, that is an important and timely topic, and uh, maybe just sort of a preparatory topic, maybe, or maybe we're already in these times now. I you? think we are in. We're talking, our, our theme for discussion tonight is living in a hostile world. Obviously, we mean as Christians, as Christians living in a hostile world, what kind of things can we talk about? From the Bible that might help us in this. All right. So. Before we get to that theme, though, we'll, we'll expand upon that theme topic in just a minute. Before we do, let us remind all our listeners about upcoming event uh, here in Columbia, Tennessee. Our annual community Bible study will be July 20th and 21st, July 20 and 21. That's less than a month away now. And uh, so if you're in, within a driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we hope you'll come, make special effort to be here on Monday and Tuesday night, July 20th, 21st. Bobby Cannon is going to be here, and our theme discussion will be the Christian's response to Islam. And we think that's really an important uh, topic. We believe that it will uh, strike a chord in our community, and people will be interested to know what the Bible says about that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, but we think our listeners should be interested, too, and if you can at all get to Columbia, Tennessee for that event, do so. If not... We'll do our very best to get all that information up on our website. If you're not in driving distance, we sure still would encourage you to come. Yeah. It'll be worth your time. Yeah. July definitely. 20th and 21st. Uh, if you can't make it, we'll put it in the podcast feed. You'll have it up on the website. Yeah. We're going to do video again, I assume. Hope so. Yeah. So it'll all be there for you to check out. Uh, check out our community Bible study from last year, if you haven't already, at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find uh, the topic last year on homosexuality and, the, and our response to, to that. And so uh, the, another timely topic this 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 uh, year as well, so we'll look forward to that. All right. Now, it that does sort of dovetail with the topic we announced earlier today to our update list, okay. what we want to talk about tonight. Remember, if you're not on our list, get on our list by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. And sometime on the day Thursday, you'll get an update about what our topic's going to be. And this is what we sent out today. We want to talk about living in a hostile world. Yes. There's a lot of things against us as Christians. As we try to live the way the Bible teaches us to live, uh, the opposition seems to be getting increasingly aggressive. And so we want to talk about that. What kind of things can we learn from the Bible that might help us? All right. Here are the questions we sent out. Number one, what can we learn from great Bible heroes who faced opposition? Mm, important one. And who among those stands out in your mind as a great example of living in a hostile world? Yeah. 
Number two, is there any upside from living in a world that opposes what we believe in practice? All right, that's important. To Number me. three, parents have an especially important task in training their children in these times. What does God's word say to them? Mm-hmm. Number four, can we succeed and can we influence society positively today? Yeah. And then, uh, on a sort of a related theme, and this comes from a listener in Australia uh, who who sort of ask along this lines, conditions in some part of the world make it very hard to get the gospel there to the lost people in those places. Mm-hmm. So what, do we, what, what can we say about people who died having never had the opportunity to hear the saving gospel about Jesus Christ? Uh, we'll talk about that just briefly at the end of our program tonight. All right. So question, good question from down under there tonight. We'll look forward to taking that. We'll look forward to your comments. Sign in the chat room if you're not already there. And send in your comments or via by, by email, questions at collegeview.com, on the phone, toll-free, 877-381-4567. Look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Well, we're not alone. We uh, are not the only ones who've lived in a hostile world, and there are a lot of examples in the Scripture. Yeah, but there, we might just comment, Jacob, on the fact that it is it is bad times. We're not trying to diminish the fact that the, the times that we currently are living in are difficult times. I mean, you just... If you flip on the news or pick up a newspaper or if you read your news on the Internet, however you get your news, there's a lot of bad news out there. There's terrorist attacks and there's the the economy in, in uh, great turmoil, a lot of political unrest, governments being toppled here, there, other places in the world. On a moral front, morality is declining. Um, you know, we, we expect probably tomorrow even – that the Supreme Court of the United States is going to rule that same-sex marriage is now going to be legal nationwide. You know, several states have made it legal, but it's expected that tomorrow the Supreme Court will say that same-sex marriage is legal nationwide. The homosexual agenda continues to be pushed. Uh, materialism, pornography. I mean, you could, if you stayed with it, you could write a list as long as your arm of all the troubles that are in the world. Things that challenge a Christian to live right in the midst of all that. That's true. I, has there ever been a time, though, when it hasn't been hostile? Maybe, I mean, maybe you, you think it's worse now than it has been, but has there ever been a time when it's been especially easy? To, I, mean, I don't I, think so. I don't you think either. about the pilgrims. Why did they come to America? They were persecuted religiously. Yeah. I mean, you could go back just to... Oh, there's time. always been. When, yeah, and, and I think we got to stress that. that and although we, these are bad times, we're not saying they're the worst of times. And in many, in many ways, we have privileges and opportunities that people bef- in other places of the world currently and people who've lived before have not had the kind of luxuries and privileges. Just for instance, to be able to get on the Internet and produce and distribute a program such as the Virtual Bible Study that goes all over the globe. You know, yeah. As we said, one of our questions it. tonight comes from Australia. Yeah. So, I mean, the Apostle Paul didn't have the Internet to use no. as a tool for his evangelistic efforts, and so there's a lot of good things, too. We, we wouldn't by any means want to present the case that we live in the worst times, but having said that, we do live in bad times. There's a lot of challenges to people who are trying to live a faithful Christian life, and all the kind of things that we were just talking about have had their impact on Christians. All of us know Christians who've fallen away, who got overtaken with the things of this this current world and, and were engulfed and swallowed up in those things. Uh, the, these kind of conditions in the world can lead us as Christians in a wrong direction. But as you said, that's not a new thing. 
I was reminded of Paul's statement in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved the present world. Earlier references to this this disciple Demas were commendable. He seemed to be a faithful co-worker with Paul, but the world got a hold of him. And then he forsook Paul and forsook the work that was being done. So it happened back then, and it's happened in our own experience. It's just something we need to be aware of. There's a lot of things trying to work against us in the world. That's right. And so let us know your thoughts. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. You know, I think about Noah. In his day, every imagination of the people's heart was wicked, and in the whole world, eight were responsive to what God would have them to do. And it wasn't like the world hadn't heard Noah. He was preaching to him for 120 years, and he still couldn't convert one after 120 years of preaching. Other than those in his own family. Yeah, exactly. and so you got to think the times were pretty bad, and it was a pretty yeah, hostile Yeah, I think world. that's the example that probably stands out most notably in our minds of, of Bible people who lived in tough times. No, I don't know that you could, you could put a finger on a person more exemplary of that kind of a situation than Noah himself Genesis 6, verse 5, God saw the weakness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. But Noah, it says, Genesis 6, verse 8, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, as you said, Jacob, when everybody else, you know, we can't say everybody else is doing all the bad stuff. We we have the the resource and the comfort and the encouragement consolation of lots of fellow Christians who are trying to do what's right. Noah didn't have that, and yet he still remained faithful to God. So I, in my mind, Noah would have to stand out there, head and shoulders, uh, probably above even other great Bible heroes, as a man who did uh, a, a, an amazing job of serving God in a hostile world. Monty, it's easy for us to look at uh, the world around us and sort of get. Uh short-sighted and start to think that uh, it's somehow worse today than it has ever been and we've got it harder than it's ever been before and worse yet that god would somehow excuse us for letting up a little bit because uh, these times are especially hard you know i think about daniel and the time that he lived in here he was he had his the nation he lived in had been co- conquered he was carried captive to a foreign land and then from, he was told he was going to have to worship this strange God, and he'd made up his mind he wasn't going to do that. He was going to continue to pray to God like he always had. And so he did that and was thrown in the lion's den for it. And then I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his contemporaries, who was told they was going to have to bow down and worship for this God, and they wouldn't do it. And when the people that was against them told the king about it, the king says, well, I'll give you a second chance. And you have to admire the way they stood up to the king and said, look, you don't have to worry about giving us a second chance because I'll tell you up front, we're not going to do it. And so people aren't, at least in our society at this point, it's not to that point that people are threatening our lives for our efforts to be serving God. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I always wonder, where were the other Israelite men that were taken captive? It seems that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing up not only against their captors, but they were going against uh, maybe what the other the other Israelites were doing that had been taken captive as well. Uh, Dad, your thoughts on that? I mean, it seems like these four were resolved. Yeah, where were the others? Yeah, I've so, often wondered about that. Not only are they they're against the, the foreigners, but their own people. Yeah, you know, and sometimes that can be one of the right. most discouraging things when the people we think should be standing with yep. us aren't. Right. 
I think right. you're exactly right. right. I was I was trying to look up the case of Elijah. You know, when Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, he was a man alone. Yeah. You know, doing the right thing. Uh, so Elijah has got that's in in First Kings eighteen. Uh, but uh, you know, as the story goes on, Elijah got pretty discouraged. Uh, thinking that he was the only one and found out that God had other faithful people, but he wasn't aware of them at that time. Uh, Elijah wasn't aware of them. But Elijah sort of did what it took to stand alone in a very hostile world. You know, uh, Queen Jezebel uh, was determined to have his head, and, and, you know, he literally ran for his life. So uh, we may live in bad times, but it's it's not... And God reminded him of the fact that there were still numerous that what was it seven thousand we had about yeah I so, was trying to look for that reference I couldn't find it real quick so uh, yeah we have to be reminded this time as well that we're not the only ones that are trying to do what's right and uh, and and there's great strength and comfort in that I was thinking of a New Testament example Jacob. yeah I was getting a little closer to home and uh, you're probably going the same where I'm going where are you what do you think I'm headed to the Apostle Paul go ahead you had somebody else yeah well second Thessalonians second Corinthians chapter eleven uh, talks about all the things that Paul had to go through uh, as he um, tried to do what was right. Notice how hostile it was for him. Uh, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, and labors more abundant, and stripes more above measure, and prisons more frequently, and deaths often. For from the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the, in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, false brethren in weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Uh, Paul, Paul lived is, in a hostile He's world. a hero. So what we're saying is, you know, you start counting them up. There's a lot of great Bible heroes who. Who did what we're talking about today? They lived faithfully in hostile conditions. Yeah. All right, and that's what we're expected to. Do. Well, right, I was thinking of, this, of the saints in Corinth, most of whom we don't know the names of these men and women. But in First Corinthians chapter six, beginning verse nine, know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived: neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Conditions in Corinth were very bad, and there was a lot of sinful stuff going on in Corinth, and yet the gospel still took root there and grew and changed some of those people. And they changed out of that, and they and so you know they stand as an example of the fact that it can be done. The gospel can make progress, and people, even people who once were involved in very bad things, can come out of that and live the way God wants. Them and it's to hard live. to believe they didn't uh, take on some hostility as a result of their repentance. Yeah, I believe they probably did. Yeah, uh, I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 11 and the Hall of Fame of faith, uh, and we have here in uh, in verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Notice this. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. 
that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. These folks in, in these times in the Old Testament, wow. Talk about hostility that we haven't even seen the likes of. Exactly right. Exactly right. You know, just maybe we're past break time, but just maybe to sum this up, you know, our first point is don't don't. It's bad times, but we're not the only ones. There are great Bible heroes who stand as tremendous examples for us. But notice the command. This is a command, and, and of course, if God commands us to do something, then it can be done. First John two verse fifteen: Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love of the Father is not in him. God commands us not to love the world, not to be taken away by the things of this world. And he's, if he commanded it, it can be done. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's very hard. It's hard. sometimes hard in our lives. It was obviously very hard for some of those, those people who got sawn asunder. Yeah. Pretty hard times, but yeah. they did it. Well, and Hebrews chapter 12 follows that immediately with this instruction for us. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which just so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So I envision uh, we're in a stadium. You know, in the Olympics, when they're running the marathon, they always finish in the stadium, and there's all the folks. There's, there's this crowd of they're, great witnesses. They're watching, and they're watching us to go across the finish line. And they're, and Good point. Yep, yeah, so we've got to remember that we're not the only ones, and it can be done. When we get back, we got an email from uh, Randy, who's in the chat room. We want to... Take that email, and then we'll get your thoughts as well. We're living in a hostile time. How do we handle that? Let us know your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. We may not be able to choose our native intelligence or our physical appearance, but we do get to choose our attitude. The greatest gift you will ever give your child will be to teach him to develop the habit of purposefully reading, studying, and applying God's Word daily. It will affect every area of his life, every day of his life. Ignorance of Scripture is the mother of error. Satan wants to steal God's Word out of your mind. Not that he intends to use it himself, but lest you should make use of it yourself. Read the Bible as though you are listening to the very speech of God. Our Bibles are not meant to sit on our shelves in pristine conditions, but are meant to be worn down by daily use. The Bible is the most popular yet least read book in the world. Man, wish I'd said that. 
Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. Back on the program tonight as we talk about living in a hostile world, we have an email from Randy, and Randy says, The apostles are my heroes, and the apostle Paul I believe to be one of the greatest Bible heroes. But the greatest of all Bible heroes is Jesus Christ, who gave up everything to save us. Our Lord Jesus was scourged and crucified, and he was still willing to forgive those who did it. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 9, But I say unto you that you... That you resist not evil, uh, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Again, in uh, Luke, uh, said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 29, And to him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And to him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy cloak or coat also. Luke 6, 22, Blessed are you when men shall hate you, and they shall separate are you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast you out for your name. Uh, cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Jesus, he practiced what he preached. He did He did uh, evil to no one. Jesus is our example of how to live in a hostile world. The apostles were harassed and persecuted by the Sanhedrin. And not only that, but Herod had James, the brother of John, killed with the sword. The apostles went through much more than all that. Uh, the apostles, except John, suffered a martyr's death. Uh, and then he references uh, Hebrews. Same text. Yeah, right. He referenced what Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter eleven, twenty-two through twenty-seven. He read just a little. Jesus bit. is the greatest Bible hero of all. The apostles gave their lives for Christ, and the good news in Paul is Paul gave himself for Christ and his cause. Again, Jesus Christ is an example of how we are to live in a hostile world. Yeah, I'm glad you. Randy sent that in because we named a bunch of people and we didn't name Jesus, which yeah. was a bad oversight. That was a bad oversight. Part. Thank you. So for thanks, that, Randy. Uh, thanks, Randy. All right, let's go to our second question. Okay, we talked about. Who are some of the great heroes uh, in Bible times, and what can we learn from them? Number two, is there anything positive that can come from the fact that we live in hostile times, when, when people are really opposing the truth of God's Word? Is there, is there any positive thing that comes from that? Absolutely so, and uh, it's hard to, to imagine that, uh, uh, that uh there would be positives, but there are certainly positives. In Matthew chapter uh, 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, I've been in dark places before, and little lights are brighter in darker places. You know, one time uh, when you were just a, a young boy, Jacob, we went to Mammoth Cave up in Kentucky, yeah. which is which is well-named. It's a Mammoth Cave. Yeah. Uh, and at one point on the on the tour through the cave, they shut all the lights off. I mean, literal pitch blackness. You couldn't see your hand right in front of your face. And the tour guide lit a match, one single match, and it lit up that whole room. I mean, it it was amazing how much light, in the absence of all other light, how much just just the flame of one match lit up that entire uh, big cavern that we were in. And the, and the principle that we're describing there is that bad conditions in the world can can help us to shine more brightly. You know, in other words, standing for what's right, we really stand out, and we really uh, therefore become a, a, an obvious thing. And hopefully, people will see that and be drawn to that. Yes. Um, you mentioned already Matthew five sixteen, let your light shine. And certainly, these bad times that we're living in is a good opportunity for people to shine. Uh, I guess, maybe money, one of the things I'd warn about is while we have the opportunity to shine brightly in the world, 
we, I guess, should anticipate that we'll be more intensely scrutinized. People are going to watch us more closely, and if there's any flaw in our behavior, they're going to they're going to really try to highlight that. You know, as we try to live as Christians, people tend to pick us to death anyway. People that really don't know much about the Bible and what it says want to quote certain passages to us, try to to put us down with them. But the, you're, but you're right. It gives us a greater opportunity because when we see all that's going on around us and, and we're standing out as that light on the hill, as we talked about, it gives us a greater opportunity. As we read the New Testament, we see the church really grew and spread under persecution. Where if it hadn't been persecuted, it would have tended to stagnated and just been caught, maybe more focused at Jerusalem. But because of that persecution, the gospel was spread to the whole world where it might not have happened as quickly yeah. otherwise. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. It, it, it can provide great opportunities. But as I was saying, too, I think that we've got to be aware, if we're not living right, if there's, in other words, if, if, if there's hypocrisy in us, it's going to find out. They're, they're going to find out because they're looking closely for anything that they can. In Titus 2, verse 10, Paul wrote to Titus and told him, showing all good fidelity that they may adorn. No, he, Titus was to teach the Christians to show all good fidelity or faithfulness that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Our lives ought to be an adornment to the gospel. and ought to make it look good. It should not be the case that people say, look at that guy, he claims to be a Christian, and look at how he's living. You know, If we live badly, we'll distract from the progress of the gospel. What we ought to be doing is adorning the gospel, and these bad times give us a chance to do that. Be aware people will be looking closely. Because we're going to stand out from the crowd if we're living like God wants us to live. It's going to be an obvious thing. We're going to be very obvious in this kind of a world's situation. I'm thinking of a passage, and maybe you can help me with it, where Paul said others were encouraged to, as a result of the things that he was suffering and, uh, yeah. and his, his, uh, his bonds and so forth. You, yeah, Philippians you, 1. All right. Uh, and Philippians 1, Paul said... Uh, uh, I would, verse 12, I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into go. the furtherance yep. of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren, the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Paul said that, I've always been impressed. He suggested that even in the palace, you know, he was yeah. he was a prisoner in Rome, and even in Caesar's palace, his influence had permeated there. So b- bad times and difficult circumstances can cause us an opportunity to do a lot of Absolutely. Good. Lots of positives can come through the difficult times, and we need to be reminded of that. Uh, Randy uh, says, it seems to me when the church was being persecuted in the first century, she was never stronger. There is always an upside in being a Christian. In, in being a Christian. In Christ, Christ Jesus, we have salvation. And the hope of heaven. There is nothing on earth that can compare to having a home in heaven and being with God eternally. Reread this in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 37. What shall we say of these things? Uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who maketh also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So he says that uh, there certainly are benefits 
that can come as a result of the hostility that we may face. Yeah. <clears throat> so, again, lots of good Bible examples, a lot of heroes of the faith who stood up in times harder than ours, for sure, even though these are hard times. There have certainly been worse conditions in the world. There are places in the world right now where it's worse. But faithful people of God have consistently set the example of doing what's right, even in the face of great challenges. Of course, as Randy pointed out to us, Jesus is the ultimate example. And if we, you know, sort of the uh, silver lining to the dark cloud is that, you know, it might give us a chance to even shine more specially, more significantly, and reach people that wouldn't have been reached in, in different times. All right. Okay. Uh, let's grab a break. When we get back, let's talk about parents Ooh. raising children in these kind one. of circumstances. All right, we'll get this on the other side of the break. How about raising children in hostile times? What should parents be aware of? The chat room is mostly silent tonight, and we'll give you extra credit for chiming in there during the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. In a poll conducted by sociologist Jeffrey Hayden and reported in Pulpit Helps, 10,000 clergymen were asked about their belief in some fundamental Bible truths. Here are the amazing results. Now, these results indicate the percentage of these denominational clergymen who do not believe in certain fundamental Bible truths. Among Methodists, 87% do not believe the scriptures are inspired and inerrant. 60% do not believe in the virgin birth. 51% do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. Among Presbyterians, 82% do not believe the scriptures are inspired and inerrant. 49% do not believe in the virgin birth. 35% do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. Among Episcopalians, 95% do not believe the scriptures are inspired and inerrant. 44% do not believe in the virgin birth. 30% do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. Among Lutherans, 77% do not believe the scriptures are inspired and inerrant. 19% do not believe in the virgin birth. 13% do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. Among Baptists, 67% do not believe the scriptures are inspired and inerrant. 34% do not believe in the virgin birth. 33% do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. Now, remember, those are statistics about what these denominational leaders do not believe. Are you surprised that only 40% of Methodists believe in the virgin birth of Jesus? Does it shock you that fully one-third of Baptists deny the physical resurrection of our Savior? Actually, these results are to be expected when you analyze the low percentage of religious leaders who respect the absolute authority of the inspired Word of God. For instance, only 5% of Episcopalian leaders believe that the Bible is inspired and inerrant. Not too surprising, then, that they have trouble believing what the Scriptures teach on any other subject. These same folks plead for unity in the religious world, yet they deny the only true basis for such unity. In fact, their own attitude toward the Bible is the taproot of all division and denominationalism. We must believe, as Jesus said, thy word is truth, John 17, verse 17. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hello, my name is Kent Bumgardner. My family and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Please join us. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. Back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Check it out there. Find out archives of the last 
10 years of the virtual Bible study there. Well, we're coming up on an anniversary here pretty soon, Jay. It's the end, end of July, we will have completed 10 full years of virtual Bible study programming. Over 500 hours there yeah. on the website for you of various Bible topics. Check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Here are sermons that have been recently presented. Find out more information. You got information up on the community Bible study yet? It's on our homepage. All right. July 20th and 21st, Columbia, Tennessee Memorial Building, the community Bible study. We're looking forward to hearing from you tonight as we talk about hostility on the program tonight. Yeah. By the way, Jacob, just thinking about 500 topics, uh, someone asked us, Recently, what are you going to do? I mean, what are you going to do? You got a topical type Bible study, and our and our study is topical. We don't take a Bible book and just go verse by verse on the virtual Bible study. We we deal with a topic. What are you going to do when you run out of topics? Well, we've we've gone through five hundred, and we see, keep coming up with uh, important things to discuss. I think that's not to say we haven't repeated some no. some com some concepts uh, over the ten years, but. Uh, there's just a lot to talk about, and I think your response to that question was Satan keeps throwing new darts at us. Faster than we can talk about them. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, interesting. Now, well, people have been coming up with things to talk about about the Bible for the last 2,000 years, just the New Testament, so we shouldn't run out any time in our lifetime. Well, no, and we'll just keep having you come back, Monty, and uh, helping out with that. Uh, in the chat room, Ricky uh, posts uh, from from the bullet point all those denominational leaders who do not believe yeah. significant fundamental Bible truths. If you're listening in the podcast, hit the rewind button right now and go back and listen. That's just but, outrageous. Those stats. But Ricky asked, wonder if members of the Church of Christ were polled, if they might fall out in about the same percentages. I I sure hope not. I sure hope not. I I would think not, but I don't. I'm, 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 I'm unwilling to say. I'm unwilling to make that prediction. But I would certainly hope that uh, the, the the folks that that we associate with, that we work and study and fellowship, uh, would have a much more devoted understanding of the Word of God and and accept its truths as stated. Yeah. All right. We look forward to hearing from you. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. And appreciate those comments in the chat room tonight. All right, so we're talking about living in a hostile world, and we asked the question: uh, What about raising our children? What can parents have an important task? And these are tough times. What does God's word say to them? You know, I think I, I try to express great empathy with parents raising children in the world today, because I think it's a really dangerous situation. Satan's got new tools to use that that parents of any previous generation never had to deal with. I'm thinking especially about all of the electronic media approaches that Satan can use to get at our kids. And we've known, in our own experience, we've known of kids who got sucked into that sort of thing, parents who weren't aware enough of the dangers. And and so uh, I would tell parents, you got a 24 seven job on your hands. You cannot relax. You cannot let down your guard. And I would furthermore say to parents that if you've never been accused of being too strict with your kids, if you've never had that accusation, then my guess is you are not nearly strict enough. All right. You know, if you're, I think if you're going to be strict and watching and careful and diligent, there are going to be people in the world who said, Man, you're too hard on your kids. What's the matter with you? Are you some kind of a fanatic or something? You're trying to cram religion down your kid's throat? If you've never had anybody accuse you in those terms, then you probably are not being strict enough. You're not being careful enough. You're not being on guard enough. Uh, 
I mean, I'm I'm afraid that even many Christians are being negligent of their parental duty. They, they now they're careful about getting their kids educated. They're careful about getting them involved in sports. They're careful about having recreational outlets for their kids uh, to engage in fun and good times, which is all fine. But I'm telling you, the, the far most important assignment you have as a parent is to bring your, up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6, verse 4. And I'm afraid I see parents who are not working very hard at that. You 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 wanted kids. Now you've got the accountability. You have not, you know, not only the responsibility, but you have the accountability to raise them uh, the way God wants them to be raised. And uh, I, I remember, we won't take time to read all of it, but in 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning verse 11, God held Eli accountable for the fact that his sons were wicked. He had not restrained them. And God said he was going to judge Eli for his failure to raise his sons the way they should have been raised. I'm afraid a lot of Christians may be held eternally accountable for not working hard enough. That's not to say that, that it's a, a, you know, a foolproof job. You know, we're not saying that you know, if, you do, if you do it right, your kids will be right. Uh, that's not necessarily the case, but you better do it right. And then your kids will grow up and make their own decisions. But you, you, God's going to judge you about whether you did it right or not. And you've got to be putting forth the effort. Deuteronomy 6, beginning verse 6, Moses told the Israelites, These words which I command thee this day shall be in, in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Yeah. Notice the the consistent effort to instruct the children. I, I, I would just tell parents today, turn off the TV, shut off the computer, make them get off of their smartphones, yep. uh, and you get to work. Talk and to them. Teach your kids. I notice the times here where the, the Israelites were told, you should talk, you teach them diligently to thy children, talk of them when thou settest in thy house. What are we doing when we set in our house? Playing on electronic devices. My wife and I were at a restaurant uh, earlier this week, and there was a toddler in a high chair at the table in the restaurant. You know what he was doing. Playing with a smartphone. Watching a tablet, watching something on the tablet while they're, the family's there. Even at the dinner table, we're not talking. Yeah. I went, I went to a restaurant a while back, and there were uh, looked like mother and father and son and daughter. All, all of four them. of them had a smartphone, and they weren't talking. They were all doing the thing on the smartphone. You've got to be talking to them when you're setting your house, when you're walking by the way, going down the road. What are we doing going down the road? We've got the radio on or we've got uh, the kids in the back seat watching the DVD. Uh, and uh, when you lay down and when you rise up, what if uh, the statistics are alarming is how many people go to sleep with the television on. Right? We're not, we're not teaching our children like we should because of these distractions. And Satan just has to throw enough distractions in there. Our way to get us to and like I said, I think parents are facing a situation where they have new challenges uh, that parents before never had. You got to have to get busy. You got to be on your toes. You got to have eyes in the back of your head. I mean, what what kind of more metaphors can we use? You really have to be at work. All right, all right. Uh, good comments tonight. Ricky in the chat room says one way we can prepare our children for the environment they will be raised in is to not murmur when we're challenged in our faith. If we good stand point. out, stand up. And man up to our faith. 
there will be consequences. Second Timothy 3, verse 12, let them see rejoicing in our being counted worthy to suffer yeah. for his name. Second Timothy two or three twelve that he mentions there, yea, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Yeah, thank you for that. And comment. then Doug, backing up just a little bit in our discussion, Doug says modern company harassment policy makes it possible for Christians to be possibly discharged for stating homosexuality is sinful if that offends a co-worker. Can a Christian be silent in the workplace on this issue when working with admitted homosexuals in the workplace? See, see what I was just saying? That's a new thing. That right there is a, is a new thing Doug has pointed out to us. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that would not have been. I mean, political correctness has just gone to seed in our country. And uh, now, as Doug said, if I just express my point of view that I think homosexuality is a sin, I could be fired from my job. We've known of people who were threatened with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, can, can a Christian be silent? I, I don't think we can be absolutely silent. I, I, th- I think we have to uh, uh, be wise as serpent, harmless as doves, as Jesus right. said. You know, we, we, we've got to we've got to make sure that we're approaching things in the very best ways. Uh, but I don't think we can be silent, uh, but we're going to have to use our opportunities carefully. Uh, no use getting fired unnecessarily because I would just determine I was going to blow the thing up, you know. Uh, but it, it might come to that. I think it could get, I think it could get worse in those matters. I think in, even within our churches, uh, I think we will be challenged. I yeah. think the time is coming when if we preach a sermon condemning the sin of homosexuality, uh, I think the authorities could persecute us, take away tax-exempt status, or maybe ultimately even try to lock us down for taking those kind of stands. we got to be prepared to do it. Regardless. But in response to what Doug has asked, uh, I don't think we can be silent about such moral issues. But at the same time, I think we need to be wise in our approach. No use to, to unnecessarily stick our necks out. Okay. All right, Doug, thank you for your comments tonight. Uh, all right, certainly is a challenge as we think about uh, raising children in this uh, this hostile environment. I'll tell you one thing that we have to do. You think about hostility, uh, Monty. One thing we need to do is we need to get our kids uh, conditioned to being weird and strange because that's going to be their lot in life if they're going to be faithful to God. And a lot of parents, I'm afraid, are trying to soften that uh, and not, not let make their kids stand out and try and get see if they can get their kids as close to being like everybody else as they can. And we've got to sort of get them conditioned to that up front here that, hey, you're going to have to stand out and be different. Well, I think one attitude that we can approach that with our kids and teach them about it in, in a way that would be a positive way to tell them about it is if we're being like everybody else, we're just being average and mediocre. And why would we want to just be average? Why not stand out and be special? Why not excel at things? And so especially at our spiritual walk, why not excel at it and be notable for for it? We don't have to just be average. We don't just have to blend in. That's not the kind of people that are great leaders is the average or that, that blends in. But we want to stand out and be leaders, be spiritual leaders, and, and do what we're supposed to do in our service to God. I think you're right, though, Jacob. we got to, we got to get our kids conditioned to being different and accept the fact that they are different. They're not like they can't be like the world around and be right with God. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's take real quick. Let's take the uh, a, a final question, and then when we come back from our final break, we got to deal with this. What about those who never heard the gospel? But 
Can we succeed? Can we influence society positively in this hostile world that we live in? Uh, you know, I think there's the, the, the temptation to just sort of throw up our hands and say, we, we can't make a difference. But the fact is, we can. Proverbs 14.34 comes to mind. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is reproached to any people. We can be that righteous element that yeah. exalts our nation. Uh, our efforts to live for God can have a distinct and favorable result in the land. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, although in the context Paul was using this in the sense of a negative influence, but it's true of a positive influence too. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, Paul said, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Yeah. He, he was saying a little negative influence can adversely affect the whole lump, but the principle is the same. A little positive influence can leaven the whole lump as well. Money? You know, as I think about that, I think about Jonah. He was sent to go to the nation of Nineveh to preach to them. He was one man preaching in this whole, if I understand the, the scripture right, the, the phrase, it talks about three days. It was a three days. I get the impression that it was a three-day walk to get across this city. Huge, huge, city. huge monstrous yeah. capital city of this nation. Yeah. One man going there preaching righteousness caused that city to repent and to change their ways. So if one man can do it, why can't the three of us or the the whole congregation or all the faithful congregations do their job that God's given to them and make a difference? Yeah, I think that's right. All right. Uh, just this last uh, week in our Bible study here at College View on Wednesday night, we talked about Sodom. And in Genesis 18, beginning verse 23, Abraham negotiated with God. You know, would you destroy the city if there were 50 righteous people in the city? God said no. And then in an amazing exchange, Abraham was able to get him all the way down to 10. Just 10 righteous people would have preserved the city of Sodom. And so you get the idea that a very tiny righteous minority can still be a a, a saving element to a society. We need to be that. Yes. So yes, we in answer to the question, can we have an effect? Can we succeed? Can we influence society in a positive way? Yes. Uh the Bible indicates that we can. We can be successful and the devil would like us to think that we're not. He'd like us to just get so discouraged that we sit down and quit. But we can be successful. We need to remind ourselves of that. All right. When we get back, the important question, what about those who never hear the gospel? It's got a question from Australia. It's what about those who die never having heard the truth about salvation in Christ? What will be their lot, and uh, what will a just God do with those in that situation? We want to hear your thoughts. Uh, sign in the chat room. Send us a quick message there as we get close to the end of the program. We'll go to the top of the hour discussing that right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College U Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Alcohol problems affect almost 33 million adults in the United States, according to a new government survey that suggests rates have increased in recent years. 
About 14% of adults were current or recent problem drinkers, and 30%, almost 69 million, had been at some point in their lives. Nearly 40% of adults surveyed said they had engaged in binge drinking, downing at least five drinks in a day at least once in the past year. That's up from 31% in a 2002 survey. All that information is via the Associated Press. The Word of God says in Proverbs 23, beginning verse 29, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mix wine. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. Back on the program as we've talked about hostility and living in hostile times. Now we're going to take the question of uh, how do we live with, uh, how do we deal with uh, those uh, who have never heard the gospel of Christ, what will be their their fate, and uh, how will the just God deal with those who have not heard the gospel? I was trying to see if I could actually find this email. I, I kind of summarized this email, but let me see if I can. Uh, I don't know if I can. Apparently, probably not. Uh, okay, anyway, it, it, it was from a listener in Australia who basically asked the question about, you know, for instance, in certain Muslim countries, women are oppressed, badly oppressed, uh, and Christians are not allowed to go there and speak about their faith. Uh, Women, uh, you know, especially in that kind of place, might die having never had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ. (coughs) So what would we say about those who died having never... Uh, heard the gospel. All right, <coughs> that's the question. Let's, uh, we kind of we kind of we did shortchanged uh, Randy's did email. Let's get his email answer to this. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry, <coughs> we did skip Randy's uh, question on the the uh, parenting and uh, and the other. Sorry, Randy, we got caught up in our discussion, and uh, he has some very good thoughts here. I apologize for that, Randy. He says on uh, uh, Paul was inspired to write this in Second Thessalonians one verse seven through uh, chapter chapter one verses seven through nine. And to you who are troubled, rest with us, and the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And that being said, the God that I worship, I believe that through his providence, those that are hungry and thirsting for righteousness, God's hand is not so shortened that it cannot save those who are looking for salvation or have a heart receptive to the gospel. It is my responsibility and every Christian's responsibility to preach the gospel to all that will hear. Again, let us not forget God gives the increase as faithful, obedient children of our Heavenly Father. God's will be done in all things. And so he says that um, that God will make a way, he believes, for those who are searching for the truth and are hungry and thirsting for righteousness. And uh, on a side note, he clo- closes... The weather's great here in Sports Creek, Michigan. Well, Randy, thank you for that. It's about, I think this, he's only got about two or three weeks uh, that he can say that. It's about to get cold again up there, I think. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Randy, for your comments tonight and for listening. Let's see, I'm, I'm still trying to find that email, but I, I'm, I'm not going to be, if I don't have time to find it, uh, uh, I wanted to read exactly. But what, what about these people uh, who never had a chance to hear the gospel? What would we say in response to that? Um, I, I, a couple of thoughts come to my mind, Jacob. First of all, God is a fair God. Uh, you know, we, if you had to go to court uh, 
for any kind of a case, you'd want a fair and impartial judge. God is that. God is a fair and impartial judge. And in the matter of final judgment, God will be fair and he will be just and he will do what is right because that is his very basic nature. Genesis 18, verse 25, will not the God of all the earth do what is right? It says there in Genesis 18, verse 25. So we may not be able to answer every question about these kind of circumstances. We may not be able to foresee every situation or every contingency, but we can have the confidence that God will be in charge of that and he will do what is fair and right. I'd be willing to back away from that and just leave it at that and say, I'll leave it to God to take care of that. There's a whole lot of danger in trying to figure out what you think God should do and what you think is just and right. Get the point here. There are a lot of trying circumstances in the world. And some of the things that are going on in the world today make it very hard to get the gospel to certain people in the world today. What about those people? Well, if we do the best we can, then we just leave the rest of that to God. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now, maybe a little bit more. We could expand on that a little bit more to say God has revealed himself. You know, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says those who can look at God's creation and not know that there's a God in heaven are without excuse. You know, you look around and you see that there must surely be such a one as God. And that ought to make it make you want to investigate what about this God? Who is this God and what does he want from me? You can't find that out. You can find out that there surely must be a God by looking at nature. You can't find out the specifics of what he wants. But it should make every man everywhere curious and and searching and seeking. And I really believe that those who will diligently search and seek, God will find a way for them to, to be exposed to, to his truth. Okay. All right. Um, we know that God wants everybody to be saved. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, 2 Peter 3, verse 9. Uh, uh, God wants all men to be saved. Uh, God so loved the world, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world. God made a plan to save the world. Uh, he gave us the great commission to take that message to the world, and we need to be really working hard at that. I, yeah. I, 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 my concern is I, I'm willing to leave judgment to God, let him handle it. I, he'll do what's right. I'm absolutely convinced he'll do what's right. My concern is that, Am I working hard enough to get the message to as many people as I have the opportunity to spread that message to? That's probably where we ought to put our primary emphasis. Yeah. Uh, not on what will God do, but what will I do? And right. and how, how can I help to reach uh, as many people as possible? But having said all that, how much time we got left here? You've got six minutes. <laughs> all right. Having said that, we do know some things some absolutes that are stated in the word of God. Okay. In, in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Yeah. Now, that, that, that's, a, that's an exclusive statement. It, it is categorical. You can't approach the Father unless you come to him through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said in John eight twenty four, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. So people need to know about Jesus. You know, we can't say, well, there's these people over in that part of the world and they never heard about Jesus, but... Ignorance is bliss. Maybe ignorance will be bliss. If, if, 
If people could be saved who've never heard about Jesus, then we ought to just clam up. Yeah. We ought to not we ought to start burning the Bibles. We ought to not say yeah. anything because the the danger would be then if we did expose them to the gospel, then they have to do something with yeah. the gospel. Then they might be lost because they decide not to believe and obey the gospel. But if they could have been saved in their ignorance, we did them a huge injustice by trying to get the gospel to them. We would have been the meanest people to ever live to try to teach these people to give them the opportunity to be lost if they could have been saved just through their ignorance. It would be incredibly cruel of exactly. us to do that. It would be it'd be difficult to imagine anything any meaner that, meaner that we could I do. I think you're right, Mike. And the thing of it is, if it's possible to be saved without Jesus, then it makes Jesus' sacrifice and his shed blood unnecessary. He didn't have to do it because people could have been saved right. without it. Right, and what's what is what's good news about the gospel if you were already saved before you heard the gospel and now, well, you got a chance to be saved or a chance to be lost. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, Randy referenced that passage. Oh, did he? Yeah. You already read that? I did uh, read that. Uh, uh, where, where that uh, it, it says what's going to happen to those who know not God that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to be punished with everlasting destruction for the presence of the Lord and from the power of his glory. I mean, that's 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 a pretty direct answer to the question. What about those who don't know about this? They're going to be lost. So uh, I think the thing that just screams out to me is we need to be busy just as hard as we can teaching people uh, about salvation in Christ Jesus. Uh the, uh, but uh, I hope people can see how that's related to the question of our study tonight. We're living in a hostile world, and the hostilities of our world are making it so that it is increasingly difficult to get the gospel to certain people in certain places. Yeah, uh, that's a, that's reality. But but we've got to still deal with it, and we've got to keep doing the best that we can. We need to do the best that we can because we're convicted that. Those who don't know God and don't know about Jesus Christ and never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ are going to be lost in their sins. We've got to believe that. The Bible's plain to say that. And then, as a result of that, do all we can to reach the lost of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ricky in the chat room says, People are not lost because they did not hear the good news of the gospel. They are lost because they are yet in their sin. Right. And sin is the enemy here. And, and the gospel message is the solution to the sin yeah. problem. Exactly right. right. Okay. Uh, you know, that's like uh, uh, I, I, what Ricky said there is that I, I've heard the comparison of that. You know, uh, why did the guy drown? Did he drown because he, he, he didn't have on a life jacket? No, he drowned because he was in the water. Yeah. You know, and the life jacket could have helped him, but he drowned because he was swallowed up in the, in, in the water. Yeah. Same thing with sin. People will die not because... They didn't uh, of of the gospel's failure, but because of sin. All right, good, good discussion tonight. We'll remind our listeners about the upcoming event. Uh, what about three weeks away now? Yeah, it's about three weeks away. All right, be marking your calendar, July twentieth, twenty first. Yeah, Monday. Monday. It's a Monday and a Tuesday night. TheVirtualBibleStudy.com is where you can find out more information. Find your directions to that uh, that meeting. We'll look forward to you being there if you can, and a good discussion tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. Money, thanks for being here again. And Thank uh, you, Jacob. Well, we owe you a little bit more tonight because for the extra talk. Yeah, you're getting, we, you're, we're going to give you double pay tonight. Double pay All right. right. I'll be okay. All right. Well, thank you, Money, and thank you, Dad, for your time. Thank thanks. you for joining us. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. 
study his inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day, you'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.